Praise God for you this year, and we're going to get right into the message. You may be seated. We're going to talk about, uh, the Lord placed my heart uh, to talk about ministry and ministering, because many of, of, if I would venture to say that all of us have been called to the ministry, and it's our responsibility to be faithful stewards over the ministry to which we've been assigned. And we talk about ministry, we're not just talking about uh, pulpit ministry. We're talking about actually serving others, being there so that that which God has given us, we're postured to distribute that to other people. And I would venture to say that that is every saint, every person that has been called by the Lord, everyone who has received Jesus Christ as Lord, has been set by Him into some sort of a ministry or another. But then I think the first thing we must do is recognize our ministry. God has to reveal to us what ministry we've been assigned to. And then as Scripture gives us many references as to how we ought to treat the ministry to which we've been assigned. One of the things that I've been emphasizing strongly is to speak prophetically to the people. One of the uh, things of ministry is that we want to become a prophetic people. And a lot of times we talk about prophetic people. You've heard me say it many times. It's not just saying, thus say the Lord, and speaking that kind of way, but it's speaking in such a way that you're speaking into what's happening at this very moment in time, but projecting into the future as to what God is doing and what God is yet to do in the lives of those that will receive a prophetic word. So I'm to speak a prophetic word as pastor. When I stand here, I have to make sure that what I'm speaking is not just something that came to mind or just speaking uh, something uh, based upon my opinion, but it must be a, a prophetic word, which means that I have to seek the Lord. I have to go before the Lord and say, Lord, what are you saying at this given moment, at this particular point in time? What are you saying? And then I must yield myself to that so that whatever God is saying, that can be said through me. But just like I must prepare myself in order to speak a prophetic word, we must also, if we are to become a prophetic people, must be prepared to receive the word that is in fact spoken because as we receive that word, then that word is given expression, that word is lived out in us and then it can make an impact upon the lives of others, so much so that when they hear the word, they will then see the word spoken unfolded before their very eyes. Because God has said, the Lord has said that, that his word shall not return into void, but it will accomplish whatever that thing is that he set it out to accomplish. So then we see that word. We see the word that we're speaking. We begin to see it having an impact. Uh, within the culture and, uh, and upon the lives of the people. That's what we talk about being prophetic, is that we're speaking, we're speaking beforehand. We're speaking beforehand. We are saying something that God is saying, but he says it oftentimes before it happens. Uh, so now, uh, that message must be targeted. God has a target for everything that he's saying. When we minister, the messages that we convey there's a target. God has a targeted message for a specific people. 
And that target message is based on many variables because, as I've said many times, when we come together as a people of God, God knows exactly where you are. He understands every experience you've had in your life, everything that you're going through at this given time. And then he knows exactly how to address your deepest need. Oftentimes, we think that there are things that we would much rather have it directed, but God is going deeper than what we can see from the surface. He's dealing with some things that are oftentimes in the process of developing. And for the most part, all we see are, we see the symptoms of that which is in fact developing. And God is saying, I'm going deeper than the, that, that, than the surface. I'm going to the very root and the very core of your problem. So this is what the gospel, we talk about the prophetic speaking, the gospel message is for people for all times. Uh, and, and it's for all people groups. I like the word when it says, where it talks about uh, preach the word, be instant when? In season and out of season. Let me, let me help you understand what he's saying here. When he says, uh, preach the word, he says, be instant, be instant, be ready to speak God's word, whether it is in season or whether it is out of season. Now, we're not talking about a season in relation to the word being spoken because it's always the season for truth to be spoken. But we're talking about the development of that word. We talk about the word that is spoken when it may appear to be so far-fetched that one would think, they said, this can't be the word of the Lord because we see nothing that measures up to that which is being spoken. Can you imagine uh, Noah? He says, tell them to build an ark. He said, I tell you to build an ark. Now, now understand it hadn't rained yet, but yet God told him to build an ark because the rain was yet to come. He says, so I'm speaking a word based upon what is in the process of developing because God already knows what is about to happen. So he says, so preach the word and speak into their future so that when you're speaking into their future, they will have the opportunity to prepare themselves for what I'm about to do. Inevitably, I'm going to do a particular thing. And when you hear the word of the Lord, this is for preparation for what God is about to do. Now, now, I would venture to say, even as I'm ministering here tonight, is that it would appear as if this isn't the season for what I'm preaching. Because you say, well, uh, is this a season for a particular thing to be said and a particular thing to be done? And as a result of that, it may not have the kind of appeal to a people based upon where they are at this particular given time in their lives. But you best believe if it is the word of the Lord, God is saying something because he's already looked into your future. He's already looked into your future. I'm speaking to the whole congregation now. I'm speaking to everyone that's a part of this ministry and those that, are, that, that, that feel the tug within their hearts as being joined to what God has called us as a people to do. You best believe that the message that, messages that you're hearing, they are preparation for what you're about to enter into. God has already looked into your future and he is saying, this is the word of the Lord. 
and it is a word of the Lord so that you can become a prepared people for a prepared place. So now, look at what he's saying. So oftentimes, the, effective, the effective, effectiveness of the word is delayed. It is delayed in life for those, because he is saying, because I have said it, some people have to go through certain experiences before they are ready to receive the word. So now, what are the things you have to go through? He says, if you don't receive it as it is spoken, then the preparation of the heart takes place as a result of things that you experience and encounter throughout your life. God is saying, I'm getting you ready. I'm getting you ready. I have a word for you. But if you're not ready, if you don't view this or see this as a season for the message that I have yet to deliver to you, then there are a set of circumstances that I have ordered for your life to make you ready. <laughs> so a lot of things happen in our life is to make us ready for what God is wanting to do, but we don't see it as of yet. So God has to get us ready so that we can be prepared. And then after going through various experiences, we say, now I'm ready. Now I can receive uh, uh, what you were trying to get across to me beforehand. You see, I like, I like that scripture. I think it's in Jeremiah and another scripture too, what he says, Zechariah as well, what he says, uh, he, he asked the prophet Zechariah and, and, and Jeremiah. He said, what do you see? What do you see? He said, I see an olive tree. I see a branch of an olive tree. He said, you see well, you see well. Therefore, I'm ready to perform my word. He is saying that because if I can get you on the same page, if I can get you to a place where you can see with me what I'm seeing, then I can do what I desire to do through you. But I can't use you until you see it. Now, that's an important lesson to learn. God can't use us until we are partial to see what he is saying and we're willing to, to, to take in what God is uh, distributing to us. So now, when we talk about ministry again, the blessings of ministry, uh, what happens, we must be ready to receive the Word of God. We must be postured to receive the Word of God. We mentioned the preparation of the heart to receive the Word. God gets us our hearts ready so that we are postured to receive the Word of God. And then there is preparation in order to preach the Word as well as convey the Word to others, to preach the Word of others. I was thinking about it, how God is a God that specializes in the uniqueness of the individual. This is what I'm saying here. God specializes in the uniqueness of the individual. What I'm saying by this is that this is not a variety store. You know, you go to a, a store sometimes, and a variety shop, and you can pretty much pick up a little bit. But you, you call it five, some stores we used to go to, like five and dimes, uh, the corner stores, and they got a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and, and it's not. And the prices are usually much higher than you would if you went to uh, larger stores. And, and, but then another place, when you go to a specialty shop, you understand there are some unique products there that are particularly designed for a particular group of people. I used to pick up dresses at a particular shop. When we first got married, I would go in because I didn't want to give her something just off the rack. I went to this particular store, and uh, it, it, in fact, it was really... Uh, 
uh, one of the very well, first well-known people's uh, mothers. It, it was, uh, what's his name? Uh, it, uh, the, the, from the Jew, Jewish guy that's on tele, radio and television now. But, uh, huh? Sekolo. It, it was Sekolo. Sekolo is from this area, and his mother and father used to have a specialty store. And what I used to do, I used to go to the Sekolo store right after we were married, and I'd pick up some dresses. I'd say, you won't find this on the rack. So in other words, it was like, now you have something that's unique. You have something that's special. Something when you wear it, you won't see yourself in every, through, uh, everywhere you go. Now, now what God does, understand how God is, he deals with specialties. He said, there, are, there is the uniqueness of you as an individual. God says, listen to this now, I have a word for you. Are you hearing me now? The Lord is saying, understand, he says, I have a word for you. Now, look at how, look at from a general uh, point of view, it would say it's the same word that the other person heard. It's the same word that others have heard. But no, God deals with specifics. He said, let me tell you something. I have a word for you. When he says, I have a word for you, it's as if no one else exists in the whole world but you. That's how God treats us. As if no one else in the world exists but you. He says, I have a word specifically for you. It is tailor-made based upon your makeup, your composition, the way you are fashioned, the way you are framed, taking into account everything that contributed to you being who you are. He says, I have a word that will fit perfectly into the person that you are. Now, that's God talking to you. Now, that's a prophetic word. He says, so when I speak to you, I'm not generally speaking, but I am specifically speaking to you. Now, that's something to think about. That's something to think about. But, but like I said, you go to a variety store, then it's all, one size fits all. One size fits all. You go in, you get a tent dress or wraparound dress, and it, you, you don't care what size you are. Just wrap this thing around, you put the tent on, it doesn't matter. But a specialty shop, it has to fit your frame. Everything has to be in place. Everything is in order. It's as if somebody took the time to tailor make this thing for you. That's what God has done in his word. That's what God has done in his word. He is concerned about us so much so that he will give us a specific word. We mentioned in season, out of season, at a specific time when we're ready to receive it. We can receive it. So we talk about out of season. Out of season doesn't have to do with God, it has to do with you. It has to do with you. Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. This is what Paul said concerning this. He says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people. I could not address you as spiritual people. Now, now, I like the fact that he said, I could not speak to you as spiritual people. We got to pay careful attention to the language here. 
He said, it didn't say, I would not speak to you as spiritual people. But he says, I could not. God would let me talk to you about things that I believe would be beneficial to you or things that I believe that, I, things I would like to say to you. Because there's a lot of things he said I, he wanted to say. But he says, but I can't, God hasn't given me permission to say those things to you. You see, so in other words, let's look at this. So, so, so then when you speak a prophetic word, we must speak it by permission. You see, in order to deliver a prophetic word, we must do it by permission. Whose permission? Not the person as much as God. God must permit us to speak. Do I have your, do I have your okay? Am, am I permitted to address a particular subject at this particular time? You see, so in other words, you got to be in touch with him. You got to be in touch with him in order to know if God has given you permission or not. So in other words, listen, we said a specific word that is tailor-made for you, which means that what you're hearing is what God has given you permission to hear. Now, whether you receive it or not, that's a whole different story. Whether you allow it to take root within your life, that's a whole different story. But we're talking about God giving permission for a particular word at a particular time to be spoken. And let me tell you something. There's benefits to that. When God is speaking prophetically to a people, getting them prepared for what they would inevitably face in life. He says, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, as spiritual people. I want to talk to you as if you're grown. I want to talk to you as if you're full age, but I can't do it. God won't let me. He said, but the only thing I can give you, I can speak to you as carnal. I can speak to you as carnal. You have to understand this thing of carnality, flesh. Carne, flesh. It has to do, you know, we talk about carnivorous flesh. So he says, I can only address you as fleshly people. In other words, the messages has to have some kind of appeal to your flesh in order to find an entryway into your spirit. This is what he's saying about the Church of Corinth. I'm not saying this about you because I've spoken to you as spiritual people. Now, I trust that you, like I said, this is what Dr. Haggai said. He said, he called me doc, Dr. Walker. Dr. Walker, I said, I'm not doctor. He said, I put, I put the title over you. You have to walk in it or prove otherwise. <laughs> he said, you grow up into that title or you prove otherwise that you're not. He said, so, so, so he, look what he says here. So, so now he says, when we call you saints, I say, I call you saints. You're saints. You say, I speak to you as spiritual people as if what you're hearing is what you're hungry to receive from him. That you're eager to receive a word that would transform your life. Now, you, you see, I was, whoever the spiritual people are, I'm talking to you as spiritual people. But not just as spiritual people, I also talk to I, I, many messages. You may think that they are super duper spiritual, but they are messages that will, that will help people to become spiritual. Because you understand, I like the way Paul did it. He was saying in essence when he said, I spoke to his carnal. He's not saying, I'm going to talk to you as if you were to remain carnal. He didn't say that. I'm going to talk to you as if you were to remain carnal. I'm going to talk to you 
I'm going to treat you like little babies, and I'm going to continue to change diapers. I'm going to continue to give you pablum or whatever else. I don't know what they take now, but I'm going to continue to give you baby, baby food. No, he's saying. He says, I'm going to nurture you as babies because I have an intention. My intent is to see you grow up. My intent is to see you mature. My intent is to see you become full-grown men. But right now, I must give you the basics. I must speak to you concerning foundational truths. He says, so now I speak to his babes. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. He says, for until now, you were not able to receive it. Now, listen to what he's saying. You're not able to receive it. In other words, if I fed you as, as, as full-grown individuals, you would regurgitate. You, it, it will make you sick. It would not be productive, but counterproductive, because your system cannot handle it. He says, so I fed you with milk, not solid foods for until now you are not able to receive it, and even now you still. Now, I understand this new church now. That ought not be us. Even, even still, you're not able, for you're still carnal. This is a new church. I think it was just, a, it wasn't long. It wasn't old at all. He says, for where there, Elizabeth, this is the evidence, where there's envy, strife, divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Now, the question is, are we like that? Or are, have we grown past that? You see, that's really the question. Are we like that, or have we grown past that? If that's where we are, and, and, and I would venture to say that, watch how, what the Lord does. Sometimes, you see, when we set our hearts to grow and to mature and to become mature saints, the body takes care of itself. You see, there are certain things that the body rejects. There are certain things that, let's say, they are cast off and cast away because they're not, not able, they're not willing to handle it. They're not willing to handle it. So we, we're not judging anybody. We pray for those and say, Lord, I pray the day will come when those who have been in churches and have been in environments like this, that they will be at a place where the Word of God will become meaningful to them, more so than even their daily food. Their daily food. That, that, that God's Word, you see, we understand these things that we, our bodies need, the things that our physical uh, frame needs, you know, eat, drink, and, you know, but, but the Bible talks about all of that, drinks, drinking, eating, and what we're going to place, what we're going to put on, and clothing, all this kind of thing. But we, we want you to understand that the kingdom is more than that. The kingdom is more than that. It's not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So with that, when we grow, we begin to, to, to desire, have a passion for the things of the kingdom. Do you see? That's what he's really saying. So now, he says, I'm feeding you with, I can't feed you with milk, meat. I can only feed you because you're carnal. You're yet fighting among yourselves. Envy, strife, divisions, or you're not carnal, behaving like mere men. Now, now, now. I would say, are you just fighting fisticuffs? Because you would think about it, when we think about fighting, what do you think about? People that would look across the aisle and they say, I don't like you. 
And they smack one and the other smack another and they face it. I see, I see you When we were kids in Brooklyn, Illinois, I hated to go to school because there's always some bully. I'm going to see you after school. Just wait till school is out. And I knew that I had to get my posse together because if I wasn't ready for the gang, that we call a gang fight, that we, you know, <laughs> we're going to have a problem here. So, but, but understand, now that's the baby, baby talk, fighting. But how do grown folks act like babies when they fight? How do, children, how, how do adults physically act like children? The Bible helps us to understand that, you, you see. Because, you see, in other words, they never outgrew their babyhood stage spiritually. So they're still children taking on adult responsibilities. So here's how you can tell who the children are. I am of, uh-oh, I am of Paul. I am of Paul. And another, I am of Apollos. I am, look here, in other words, we are the greatest church in the world. We are the greatest church. We are the greatest church in the world. You have the greatest pastor in the world. You are the greatest people in the world. Oh, you heard that before? Have you heard that before? You are the greatest people. There is none like you. There is none like you. God needs you because if he didn't have you, his whole thing, his whole program would fall apart. Are you seeing something here? He says, so something wrong with you. Something wrong. You see, you think that you're all that and a bag of chips because you're saying in essence, I am of a sect or a group of people and my identity is attached to the group that I am committed to. My whole identity, this is who I am. This is who I am. This is who I am. Understand, we pray that none, you see, yes, we love the company. We love the fellowship of the saints. We love to get together. But understand, there's a larger purpose. There's a purpose for us to be together. We're to be on one accord for a greater purpose. And the greater purpose is the kingdom of God, the body of Christ within the kingdom of God. He says, but listen, I am of, I am of. And then we'll, some will say, well, we are of Christ. You would think that, well, well wait a minute now. I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, I, I, I'm a, and there's some in the scriptures, I'm even of Christ. He said, now you're saying, in other words, all of y'all are wrong because you're, 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 you're attached to an organization. You're attached to a group of people. So therefore, but we are Christians. We're the real Christians. We are the true believers. <laughs> now watch this. When we are the true believers, it is, a, it is indictment against all others who profess to be believers. <laughs> so, so you see, so in other words, now you have one that thinks he's outgrown his babyhood stage, but he has proven his babyhood stage in the process of trying to defend his status as being as being exclusively Christ. In other words, I don't listen to nobody but Christ. Jesus has to tell me. Only one I listen to is Jesus. Jesus, me and Jesus, we got our own thing. So, so look at what he's saying here. He says, so these are, he says, so all of these things. He says, so are you not carnal and act like mere men? 
You're fighting like children. He said, this is really striving and fighting among one another. Now, what happens as we grow, but let me not just grow, as we commit to mature, when we commit to mature, when we say, Lord, I want to really grow in you. I want to grow in Christ. I want to know you who you are. When the student is ready, the teacher will come. When the student is ready, the teacher will come. What do I mean by that? I'm saying is that when a people reach a particular place within their lives, where now they're saying, I want what's real. I want what's real. Now, now to get to that place, you have to discard a whole lot of stuff that's in your lives that's a part of your identity. What are the things that you identify that, that actually uh, uh, are, are really the, the thing that you identified as? I, I'm identified as being this. I'm identified as being that. that. There's an emptying out that has to take place within one's life. We have to empty out a, a lot of self and stuff that we didn't even know was there. We mentioned prophetic word speaks beyond our current sphere of existence. It speaks into our future, but it, is, it, it, it actually addresses us within time. So he says, now, what am I saying to you? If to get you to that place of being emptied out of all the, I would say, the, the excess, the baggage that you've, that, that you've accumulated over the years, you, you see, the Lord has to get you to place. That's a stripping down that has to occur. And then you say, now, as Paul would say, I determined not to know anything. Now, now, look, when Paul said that, he said it later on, but he had, to, he had to reach that point long before he made that statement. He says, I determined, I'm determined, because everything that I think I know is being proven to not have any merit or any value. I thought I could hold on to this. I thought I could hold on to that, the other. But I realized that none of the things I'm holding on to has any, have any merit. So I must come to the place of being stripped down of all the other things and come to a place where I'm empty before the Lord and say, Lord, now I'm yours. Let me take, give you an example. That's how I was. Before I, was, before I came to Atlanta, uh, ministry-wise, I had pastored a, a Methodist church. I was assistant pastor. You, you understand when I say Methodist church, a small Methodist church. It was a small Methodist church. I mean, I think I told you, they, they fed me uh, with uh, my offering was, was cabbage and corn, <laughs> potatoes and whatever, you see, and, and, and a few quarters along the side. But, 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 but understand this, but I was committed to that small congregation so much so that I wanted to, I wanted to have my, my official meetings on Monday. They wanted to have it on Sunday right after church. You know about that, Elder Greg, uh, Elder Earl, you see. So they want to have it on Sunday, get everything over with one time. And I said, no, I'll drive. I'm the one who have to drive a long way. I'll drive back here uh, and have a meeting on Monday. So when I get through Sunday, I want to rest. I want, to, I want you to remember the message and not be so engaged in business right after the message. So, so we have our official meetings on Monday. They didn't want to come back. They could walk to the place, but they didn't want to walk. And I had to drive a long way, 40, 50 miles. So, but, but understand what happens now. I pastored a church. I was assistant pastor. 
at a, at a substantially large Baptist church. All of that. You see, all of those things were things that I did before I came into the ministry, in the pastorate. So then, then I came here, I received the baptism, well, before I came, baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then the thing that God had to strip me of was all the things that I thought I had accomplished in life and in ministry. You, you see, because the thing that was working against my being effective was my effectiveness, for, effectiveness former, former to that experience. Now, does that make any sense to you? It was my effectiveness prior to that experience because what happens, that was always my default setting. I know I could always rely upon some message that I preached that really stirred the crowd. I could always pull that out and say, if nothing else is working, I can pull that message out and, and I, can, I can bridge that message into whatever message I'm preaching because I can close out with that excitement and enthusiasm that I had, I had placed in my repertoire of preaching. So you see what I'm saying? So, but, but what happens, God said, I determined. He said, so every time that tried to come in, I had to hold myself back because that preacher wanted to come out of me. <laughs> I said, there it go. Don't, don't get somebody. Get to, you said, Doc. Oh, boy, that, don't, don't you keep talking. Y'all going to pull it out of me. <laughs> you, you follow? And that's how it was. Y'all going to pull it out. I'll go back to my old self. You see, and somebody said, oh, that's right. It's just jumping. Oh, Lord, here it go, here it go. And that's, you know, I, I would fall into form and performance based upon the response and enthusiasm of the crowd. And then I said, well, this is kind of productive. What can I do in order to arrest this thing? <laughs> that the people like it, the people pleasing, and... It's a lot of appointments, too. But what can I do to arrest this thing? So then I used to, I used to pull up a stool, and I would sit on a stool, and I would fold my hands sometimes because my hands start working, and I said, let me fold my hands, and I would hold on, and I would share my testimony. <laughs> and some would get excited about testimony. I'm going to jump off that door. Let me keep monotone. And I said, I tell folks, I said, I bored myself. I would bore myself. But lives were being transformed. My effectiveness in ministry was greater after I stopped performing than it was while I was I could draw the crowd. I could get people to the altar. But I couldn't get them to the place where they desired to have a heart-changing experience. Or change the spirit. So when I got there, I said, so what really matters? Does it matter of what people think of me or what they think of Christ? And I said, I think that matters more than anything else is what they think of Christ. So, so that's what Paul was saying when I determined not to do anything, things that would be impressive. We have to go through that process. What are the things that work that, work that you're willing to give up? They work, but you're willing to give them up in order to please Christ. A lot of people, I mentioned before, they said, well, this church was exploding one time. You didn't, I, some of you have been in Atlanta. Abundant Life Church was the church at one. And, and then one pastor who has a mega church would say, Pastor, why did you stop? Why did you stop doing the things that you were doing? I said, I grew up. <laughs> I grew. 
I grew. I grew beyond the stage that I was in. Not that it was wrong what I was doing, but that was a phase, that was a stage that I was in. So I grew. And my intention was for the people that I ministered to to grow with me. Listen, let me go. Let me, let me get on back into this scripture here. He says, so now, uh, but you see, we must understand that uh, it's our responsibilities to communicate uh, to people, but how we communicate to them may differ from one group of people to another. It's how we communicate. It's how we communicate. You see, one of the things, the art of communication, is that it depends on the crowd that you're, you're addressing. As to not what you are to say as much as how you communicate. You see, it, it does include what you say, but it's how are you, because words are a means of communication, but how are you communicating to the people that you've been called to address? Because understand, one group, it may be one way, another group is another. Because now we're looking at people to the people, we look at specifically ministering to the people, and also generally. So Paul was prepared, his calling was to the Gentiles. He is Gentile. So if you go minister to Gentiles and you're a Jew, you see, that meant you had to be reframed. There had to be some changes occurring in your delivery because you're dealing with a different people with a different language. There were many things about the Gentiles would be different from your people who were the Jews. But yet that was his calling. So Paul began to say, I became all things to all men that I may what? That I may win some. Now that's what Paul said, right? I became all things to all men that I may win some. So his objective was to identify with the people that he's ministering to. That's what Paul was saying in essence. He had to identify in order to relate to the people. He had to identify with him. So, so now he's giving a specific message, but he's identifying with the non-Jews. But here's something else I want you to look at. Even though he was called to the Gentile nations, he was not restricted to the Gentile nations. See, you would think that if this is who you've been called to, you're called to Gentiles, is that Jew, Gentiles, that means that you cannot minister to a Jew. That's not what he's saying. It did not say that he cannot minister to a Jew, but his specific calling was to the Gentile nations. But yet, if the opportunity permits itself, then he's to minister to the Jews. Because you understand, Paul got to the place, he loved his own people. He loved the Jews. In fact, he said he'd be willing to give up his own salvation. He'd be willing to do whatever it took in order to win his own people. To win his own people. His heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. He said, what I see among my people is that they're just full of zeal. They just get excited. Oh, wait a minute now. They just get excited real easy. They're just emotional. They have a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge. When I begin to look at it, I say, look, I understand you. I understand you, Paul. I'm right on, Paul, because there's a lot of our folk that allow emotionalism, you see. And with that emotionalism, you get the same as you get those schisms and, and, and all these other isms attached to it. Because understand, the pure message of the gospel, the pure word of God frees us from all of those isms and schisms 
that exists within the body. And you don't even know how they enter in. They enter in uh, unknowingly. They, they, they kind of creep in because you don't even see them coming in. You say, well, I just had a good time with them. But you don't know how much harm and damage that has done, is doing to the soul if that's the whole objective and purpose for which you've come together. So now, are you still with me? So now, let's look at Paul. He was not limited, but let's look at what Paul said. We mentioned the other week, the last time I ministered on this, here in Acts chapter 26 and verse 12. Let's, let's, let's kind of get his profile as he's testifying before King Agrippa. He says, while thus occupied, I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest. Now this is his former life. He had authority and, and, and commission from the chief priest. So in other words, he, he, he had permission to do what he's doing. He says, so what am I doing? What I was doing, I was doing it under authority. I wasn't doing my own thing. Now that's an important point to make. Paul was not doing his own thing. What Paul was doing, he was doing it under authority. If he's under authority, it's much easier to come under the authority of God. If you're not, if you're not used to submitting to anything, how do you think you could ever submit to God? That could be a hard, that's a hard <laughs> hill to climb because I'm used to being my own person, my own man, doing my own thing. And then he says, now Jesus Christ shows up and he says, your, your responsibility is to, is to submit to me as Lord. No, no, I can't, I can't switch. I can't turn the switch off and on because when I leave church, I got to turn the switch back on. I got to be my own man. But then I get to church, I got to turn it off and then Jesus, your Lord. That's how a lot of folk are. You see, in church, I love you, Lord. You're, you're such and such and such. Dismissal, that's it. And then there are some that say, look, that, that was a good message. That was a good message. You talk about Lordship of Jesus Christ. I agree. I agree. That's a good message, a good message. I applaud you. I applaud you for preaching such a good message. Such a good message on submission. Now, let me go about my life the way I desire. You see, what it is, that's, I, I call that uh, atheism, agnosticism rather. It, that's, you're practicing agnostic. That's where I would see it. That's a practicing agnostic. It, it, is, it, is, a, it is a person who, who through his profession would say that Jesus is Lord. Lord, Lord. But he will do whatever he or she wants to do. But now when it becomes, you see, it, he wants us to be not practicing agnostics, but when the word of God is going forth, which is prophetic, prophetic rather, preparing us for our future, then there's a willingness for us to walk into what God has prepared us to walk into. So now, this is what he says. He said, I was commissioned by the, 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 the chief priest. He said, but something happened at midday, and he still calls him old king, because he's still under authority of the king. He said, old king, along the road, I saw light from heaven. Now this light that I saw was brighter than the sun. And when it was so bright, it wasn't just shining on me, but it was shining all around me. He says, not only did I see that light, but those who journeyed with me saw the light, but they didn't see the light the way I saw it. 
You see that? They did not see the light the way he saw it. The light was a transforming light. It was a light that changed his life. It, it, it was a, you, you follow? What happened to the others? What happened to the others? That light shining all around him that others saw, what kind of impact did that light make upon their lives? As it would be in this kind of environment, there would be some where the light will startle, the light will knock them off their beast, it will transform their lives. And the others say, that was a phenomenon that occurred. I can't explain it, but bless God, I'm glad I survived through it. <laughs> but let me tell you something. That light that shone, he says, when we all had fallen to the ground. Now, Paul got a blind. They didn't. <laughs> and we all fallen to the ground. They all fell to the ground. Uh, Paul said, he didn't say we heard a voice speaking to us. Boy, did he say here. See, all this is important here. You see, I heard. They saw the light but they saw the light differently than what Paul saw. When they saw the light, it startled them, and they had to recover from the light. Are you seeing this now? But it was different with Paul. He says, when Paul saw the light, it didn't just startle him. It says, when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me, not us, but to me. And what was it, what language? Speaking to me in the Hebrew language. Oh man, <laughs> speaking to me in the Hebrew language. <laughs> it spoke to me in my dialect. It spoke to me because it was specifically addressing me. Are you sitting all this together? The voice was addressing me. And he called me by my name. Called me by my name, the name my mama gave me. Saul. <laughs> Just in case you didn't hear me, Saul, Saul. <laughs> called it twice. He said, in other words, I am, I am commanding your absolute attention. Saul, you better pay attention to this. You saw the light. You were knocked off your beast. Now, I, all of these experiences are calling you to attention. Now, what more must happen before you pay attention to what I have to say to you? So he says, Saul, Saul. He says, why are you persecuting me? First of all, he says, it, it is, he says, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you fighting? against me. Wait a minute, under authority? You gotta look at the whole story. Under the authority, you see, he was, he was operating with, with, with credentials, everything that he needed to do what he was doing. But then one greater shows up. Who is the greater? Jesus Christ shows up. But Jesus Christ was really the one in whom he was torturing, ordering the death of those who followed Christ. You see, 
he was persecuting them, torturing them because he saw Jesus Christ as a heretic. And Jesus Christ was the one that was prophesied concerning. He said, uh, he, said he uh, will cause the falling and rising of men in Israel. He told Mary, even your own heart will be pierced through as with an arrow so that the hearts of many brethren might be revealed. He said, in other words, when Jesus shows up through his servants, it reveals the hearts, whatever's in the hearts of the people. So in other words, whatever's in their heart, they didn't even know what's in their heart. All that had to happen, we mentioned a prophetic word, uh, the, 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 that the authentic gospel that was tailored for them will bring out of them their hostilities towards Jesus. But yet, they don't see it because they're religious. They say, you know what, oh, did we, I'm so glad to have been set free from the bondage that I was under when I would hear messages about what God requires of me and how I must live a life that's pleasing to him and how it uh, uh, looks like it's not enough, it's not enough going on here for me to be motivated and to stay motivated. You know what? Who doing the motivate? Is it the crowd? Remember I told you when I preach, the crowd's hollering. And when the crowd would holler, guess what? I'd get excited because what they do, that, that, would, that would energize me. It would give me a place. I said, now y'all keep on. I'll be walking. I see how you walk these pews. <laughs> you see, you can, you can do some stuff there because y'all get, you see. But here's what took place. Who's doing the energizing? Is that the Holy Spirit? Or is it the people? See, some people are energized by the crowd. They're energized by the crowd. He said, if I'm around my own people, then I'm energized by the people that I'm around. I have to, here's some young, young folk left church. They said, they said, you know, I need a lot of young folk. Ain't enough young folk around here. You old fogies, all y'all, over 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. What, what can y'all say to me? What I look like being around all you old fogies? He said, what I need, I'd be around some people that, 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 that has more energy and enthusiasm. They don't know that if God has called them, you see, if God called them to a purpose, then they're, 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 they're stepping away. It's not just stepping away from ministry or church. It's stepping away from God's purpose. You see, it's definitely for God's purpose. What was God purposing and what were they willing to do and endure in order to, to, to remain so that what they are seeking after can, can, can occur within a community that would not be restricted in one way or the other. You see, what has God called us to? So now that's the bottom line is what is your calling? And, and, and who are the ones, what, and who's your family? In other words, who's your mama, who's your daddy? <laughs> so now, look what he says here. He says, this is Paul now. This is Saul. He was Saul then. He said, they're off on the ground. Why are you persecuting me? Why are you fighting me? He said, you're fighting against yourself. You're fighting against your own identity. You're fighting against who you really are. You don't know yourself. You don't know that the DNA, your DNA is of such that, that, that you're, 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 you're despising it. He says, hard for you to kick against the goats. You're hard for you to kick against the goats. 
So understand, I would venture to say that God had his hand on Saul while he was persecuting the church. Isn't that something? God had his hands on this man. He had already pinpointed him for greatness. He had already, he was destined for this particular moment. And then he says, it's hard for you to kick against the goats. You're fighting against your own destiny. You're fighting against your own purpose. In other words, you'll never find out who you are until you find out who I am. See, what you're resisting, what you're rejecting is not people. Who you're fighting is not people. He says, why are you fighting against me? Why are you fighting against me? What, what have I done to you that makes you so hostile and so angry that you're willing to kill, kill my people? And when you kill them, identify with them because he identified with his people, he identified with his purpose. So whatever you do to God, whatever you do to Jesus, you're doing to his people because Jesus, his purpose is attached to his people. He says, so now, he says, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the ghost. In other words, what you're kicking against is causing more damage to you than anything else. And then he says, he said to him, and I, I said, I said to him, I said, who are you, Lord? This time when he said Lord, it's more than the king. Who are you, Lord? Who's really up there? Who's really in charge of this life? Who's in charge of my life? Who should I fully submit to? Who should I fully surrender to? To the degree that I surrender my, it's not that I lose my will, but I surrender my will to him. I surrender my will to him. In other words, I still, when you try, how you train a horse is not to break his will. You might have heard this before. You don't break the will of a horse. We were watching a little bit of Yellowstone, and they had this wild horse, this horse no one could ride. And, and what happens, uh, you, you, you would jump on this horse, and he could, he, he's going to buck, and he's going to get you off of it. He's going to get you off of it. And then they learned something about, he said, it's what's in you that's causing his horse to act the way he's acting. He said, he's, re he's reacting to what's inside of you. <laughs> he said, your, your hostilities, your anger, your, whatever you bring and you, that resides within you, the horse is reacting to what's inside of you. I never thought of it that way. I said, oh, you mean to tell me that, that, that even when it comes to attitudes and dispositions that it can be transferred to an animal? He said, it's bringing it, it, he is actually acting. He says, so now the rider gets onto the horse, but he's now speaking gently. He's, he, he's motivated. And then he just sits there, even not even holding the reins. And the horse is responding. The horse is responding. So you tell the horse to do something, the horse will do it. You see? And, and, and then I looked at that and I said, oh, I see something here. I see something here. Is that, is that what happens the Lord, the way we are towards the Lord, the way we are towards the Lord is expressed, you see, through us, and the way we view him is acted out. You say, well, the Lord is this way, Lord. No, no, that's in you. That's in you. That's projection of who you are. He says, so now, he said, he says, now I want you, if you say, who are you, Lord? He said, let me tell you who I am. I'm Jesus. 
wait a minute, of all names, you could have said anybody else's name other than that name? That's a cuss word. You're going to bring that name up in this conversation. He says, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. Who are you, Lord? He said, he said who is this trying to control me? Who is this trying to dominate my life? Who is this trying to give me orders? Who is this trying to tell me what to do? Which way to turn? Where to go? I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. That's Jesus talking prophetically to you because he's looking out for your best interest. <laughs> he says, I see the path that you've chosen where it's headed. I see the path that you've chosen where it's headed. He said, you don't even see it. He said, he said there's a way that seems right. It appears right, but the end thereof is death. He said, I'm Jesus in whom you're persecuting. I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. The Lord identifies it. Why, Jesus, did you identify yourself to Saul? Because Saul said, who are you, Lord? <laughs> he had already committed to submit. He had, he had committed to him. He had submitted to him. He says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. He says, and since you call me Lord, <laughs> because you call me Lord, you were knocked off your beast, you were left powerless, but now you have my strength. <laughs> I will strengthen you. I will empower you. He didn't say, I will lift you up. He said, but the power in you is enough, sufficient for you to rise. He said, now get up. Get up. He said, well, I can't get up. I just got knocked down. I'm going to get up. He said, get up. When the Lord says rise, when the Lord says rise, then you have been empowered by his word to rise. He said, now get up and stand on your feet. He said, because something has happened to you now. I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things, here's the history, which you have seen in history and the things that will yet be revealed to you in the future. Look at the prophetic. He says, but now, let's look at right now. Let's look at where you are now. I will deliver you from the present people. <laughs> we look at the past. We look at the future. Let's look at the present. I will deliver you from the Jewish people. Now, I'm calling you to the Gentiles, but you have to be delivered from the Jews in order to be effective in ministry to the Gentiles. He said, because your reference point is always Jewish. <laughs> Everything about you is Jewish. Everything about you, you say, well, what will my people think? What will they think if they see me across the track ministering to another group of people? What will they think about me uh, dealing with another group when my people are having all kinds of issues? What, do, what reason would I have to be over here dealing with uh, Native Americans or even whites or whatever? He said, I have to deliver you from your own people. So when you minister, you're not carrying the weight of your culture with you everywhere you go. So culturally, uh, I would say, imprisoned by your culture. I got to show the people that I'm still black I got to show, I didn't lose anything. I'm, I, I know y'all waiting on the holler and the hoop because you see, I, I got to show you. I said, got it. I got to show you. I, I, I know some, well, I know some people that, that can deliver powerful messages, but then after a while they got to show you. They said, now, nah, uh, they stopped. Uh, and 
I said, where did that come from? <laughs> ah, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said, what was that? You were doing fine. Your message and delivery was powerful. But I got to show the folk, man, I ain't lost it. I'm still black. I'm still as black as I always was. I said, man, deliver me from me. Deliver me from me. Deliver me from the, from the demand that is placed upon me to perform. I was with, uh, I was with Cammie Arnett. I mentioned his name. Cammie Arnett was ministering. He, he, the young folk, you know, he has a, he draws the young folk. So he was having a uh, meeting, a street meeting, really. And they were jamming, they were jamming, they were going on with it. And then it's time for me to speak. It's time to speak. And, and I had a cap, but I had it turned this way. <laughs> and the cap was turned this way. And when I got up there, I said, now, how can I, how can I minister? These are street young folks. These ain't like church young people. These are street young people. I said, what can a person my age say to all these young folk? I stood up and I said, I'm your father. I don't have any cut-off jeans. I don't have any of the other stuff. I don't have any necklaces or anything else. I just come as I am. And let me tell you, as a father, this is what you need. You need the wisdom of a father. Do you see that? You need the wisdom of a father. And you know what? Nobody left. They were paying. These are young folk from the streets. They paid attention because many of them were fatherless. Are you hearing something here? So when I came as a father, rather than as one, of their as one of their buddies, you see, it had a different effect upon their lives. So in other words, I had to be me based upon who the Lord has caused me to be, rather than trying to be somebody that I'm not. And I do this even now. I do this even now. I said, well, you know, I can come, you know, I have to be who I am. Let me go on, let me go on, because we're running almost out of time here. Uh, this is what he was saying, being delivered. Now, the objective is open their eyes to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive. You see, they cannot receive until they're turned. Did you hear that? They cannot receive. I can't get anything out of this. They can't until they turn. I can't get it. I don't know why it is that, that it doesn't minister to me. Well, it won't minister to you until you turn. See, it, it, it's, in other words, what God has to deliver to you is coming from a different place in a different direction than the direction that you have grown accustomed to. So repentance is turning. You turn away from your familiar in order to receive that which is common to him. If this is common to you, if this is a life that you were accustomed to living and you're accustomed to engage, engage with people this particular way, he said, that's your old life, but you must turn in order to receive new life. You must turn. He says, to turn them, this is what he said, from darkness, to turn them from darkness 
He's calling all that darkness to turn them from darkness, to turn them from becoming a product of their environment, to turn them away from, you see, being conformed to the world. <laughs> That's what he's saying, to turn them away from being conformed to the world, that they might be transformed by the renewing of their mind. He says, I must turn them, I must turn them. And that's what Paul, Jesus was saying to him, to turn them from darkness, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God. He says, because unless I turn them, they'll never receive the inheritance that I desire to give them. I want to give them an inheritance, and that inheritance is more precious than silver and gold. I'm going to give them an inheritance among all of those who are sanctified. Uh, forgiveness, first of all, forgiveness of sins and inheritance among all those who are sanctified by faith in me. That's what the Lord offers. He says, I will give you an inheritance. An inheritance. In other words, this is something that I had in store for you. These are the, the things that I, based upon the reason that you were born, based upon the person that you were meant to be. Can you imagine this? He said, these are the things that I have on, on the shelf for you. These are the things that are in store for you. He said, there's a whole lot of stuff that we are. You see, an inheritance doesn't come until, later, un, until death occurs. Somebody have to die in order to get your inheritance, right? <laughs> to get your inheritance. Give me my inheritance. He said, in other words, Dad, go on and die so I can get what I have, have coming to me. That's what he said to the prodigal son. Go on and die so I can get my stuff. <laughs> Some people say the same thing with Christ. Get out of the way, Christ, I ain't have my stuff. I want what you offer, but I don't want you. Jesus understands he's already died. And your inheritance is where he went after he left the earth. He ascended into heaven. He said, that's inheritance awaiting you based upon his death. He said, now, the only ones that can get that inheritance are those that maintain faith in me, those that are sanctified by faith in me. He said, it's waiting on you. You'd be surprised how much, how much you have to go through in this life and how much is awaiting you in the afterlife. See, I, I would venture to say, you don't want to go to heaven and not have anything there but presence. That's a lot. Presence is a lot. Based upon the mess we go through in life, just getting there is a whole lot. But when you get there, when you get there, let's say those that will get there, can you imagine getting there and having nothing up there based upon the life to show for the life that you lived upon the earth? <laughs> nothing to show for the life you lived on earth. Is it, yeah, I, I said, look, Lord, I want, I want something when I arrive. I want, I want rewards. I want to go to the awards. I want to go to the award ceremony. When you start passing stuff out, I want to be in line. <laughs> you can be greedy on that one. Lord, whatever I have to suffer, whatever I have to suffer, I want to get in line. When you start calling names out, you say, that young man who sacrificed all, he wasn't, he wasn't looked upon, he was spat upon, he was treated real badly in this earth. People didn't recognize him. He couldn't get a position. He didn't, uh, 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 he was considered the less or the least. Nobody wanted to be around him. In fact, he was considered the scum of the earth. He said, but come up here, my son. I want to give you I'm going to give you the martyr's reward. 
the reward of a martyr. You gave your life, so now, now you are the star in heaven. Can you imagine that? You were the scum upon the earth, but you're a star in heaven. <laughs> That's something. That's something. I'd much rather be a star in heaven than a, than a star upon the earth. Oh, he said, you have your rewards because look at how they saw you. Look at, look at all the excitement, enthusiasm, that you, all of the accolades you received upon the earth. He said, you had your rewards because they, they honored you so royally. You were looked upon as being greater than life itself. He said, so that's all the rewards you get is that which you experience in that little bit of life span that you live. And now you have eternity. Grandpa would say that how you measure eternity, somebody used to say it now, but I heard it when I was a kid. He said if a little bird were to take a grain of sand and fly from the Atlantic, shores of the Atlantic to the shores of the Pacific, one grain of sand after another, until he's moved the whole Atlantic to the Pacific, he said, eternity has just begun. That's Grandpa Oliver Walker. Oliver Wiley Walker. He said, eternity, he's preaching that back in, that was in 1900. <laughs> he was preaching that. But, but, but uh, he said, eternity has just begun. Has just begun. I said, man, let me tell you something. That's what I want. I want something to show. The life of the I'm going to cut off. I have a lot more to say, but if I open up these others, we'll be here. <laughs> I'm going to stop right here and ask for questions. Yes. Any questions or comment, we'll open it up. Or comment, even. I'll even I, this, tonight, I'll even take a comment because it may be something that has said that triggered a thought in your mind, but we'll take it tonight. As long as you keep it, come on. Yeah, you got to use this though. <laughs> Testing. I don't know where they are anymore. They here or there? Okay, here there we go. go. Here we go. <laughs> um, that scripture that you that you were sharing um, about uh, their eyes opening, and then the turning from darkness to light, and then uh, and I, and when you said it, it struck me. It said because they can't receive until they turn. That's right. And it's not just salvation, but then I looked at that next part: receive their inheritance. That's right. I said, wow, so there is um, a, a receiving inheritance. What I connected that to is what we were talking about last week, uh -huh. about our identity. Right. There's a place in God that where we are to be identified that we can't see. That's right. We can't receive it. That's right. Until we turn. That's right. And, and, and so it's, it's like we, we're lost as to who we are mm -hmm. until we see who he, until our eyes are open to who he is. Our identity is lost. And I'm saying that because that's such a big thing with us mm -hmm. today, you know, as we were talking last week, and we're going to be talking next week you know, uh -huh. with young people mm -hmm. about that, but how that's so connected 
right. with our ability to, to understand and to receive. It's like receiving our position, our inheritance in God. Who we are as it relates to him, and we can't even see it. We cannot receive it until our eyes are open to the reality of who he is, and we actually turn to what our eyes are open to. That's right. I just, that was very impactful for yeah. me. That's an action on our part. There's some activity on our part. We must turn. Here's some questions. One behind you first, and then you. Behind you, and then you can take it. <laughs> Good evening. Um, uh, verse 17, when it says, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles. Um, what struck out to me, you talked about how he had to get past who he was as a Jew, because they're like, what are you doing over there? But then it also reminded me, like in our daily work environments, how people view us. You know, he had to also deliver them from the Gentiles, prepare them for the Gentiles, how they view. Because right. people are looking at us with an expectation as well. And you alluded to that when you spoke about when you go to church hooping and, okay, what, what are you going to do? How are you going to impress us? That's right. Um, so I, I thought that was, you know, a, a good eye opener, a good thing to remember that we don't have to, like you went to the young people, you don't have to change who you are right. to be on the mission for God. You don't have to, you know, be, I'm, I'm black, I'm still black, you know, or I'm sanctified, I can't, I'm going to talk to you this way, you know, Gentiles, you know. So it was, it's a balancing act. You are, you're new, you're That's different, right. you're no longer that, you're no longer, you don't have to placate necessarily to them as well. So I just, that was just, it, it spoke to me as a daily walk, you know, That's we're right. walking daily. That's right. You can be who God has made you to be, your, 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 your unique self. Yeah, Pastor, you mentioned, um, you actually described a service I was in Sunday afternoon, country church out in Madison, Georgia, yeah. Flat Rock, maybe I shouldn't say the church. <laughs> it was a, a friend of mine's. Um, uh, Troy Bowers, he was having his deacon ordination, and it was a wonderful service, but um, I thought about the fact that you mentioned some people are energized by the crowd. Is that the Holy Spirit? And when I was there, my heart was so troubled that I was glad that we had connection group that night because I needed to talk about this. I was like, Lord, how can I respect because the church really reminded me of where I came from. Doop 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 doop. I mean, I mean, some real. I mean, it was it was it was like that. Hopefully, and, they ain't watching us, are they? Huh? They ain't watching. <laughs> <laughs> but I I, I, was, I didn't I was, say it. I was troubled. <laughs> I, I was troubled because. How <laughs> they call them out, brother? <laughs> it it it. It seemed, to, um, it, it seemed to play to the crowd a little bit. And I was like, I was asking the Lord, how do I respect where I came from, respect the people, yet, um, I, I, Lord, I don't know how to deal with, with this performance attitude yeah. that's playing towards the crowd. It, it really troubled me. And um, I, I really didn't, you know, I'm still seeking the Lord because, you know, there's a lot of good things from where all of us come from, mm -hmm. you know, and, and there's some things that may be a little bit in error. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, this, this just brought back everything that I was, you know, that service Sunday. But I tell people, I say it all the time, except people from where they, where they are, where they are. One of the things that I, we, we do it here, uh, we've had music stuff to go on, and, and, and I've trained our folk. I said, now, nah, don't y'all bring that in here. And then they said, why is Pastor clapping his hands? The stuff he told, don't bring it in here. I said, because that's where they are. That's where they are. So, so what happens with, I, I think of some them songs that I, I, I'm preaching about it. I said, now, nah, nah, don't y'all, don't y'all bring this particular song in here. Because this song is, is not biblical. It doesn't follow scripture, whatever. And then here is the choir. They're singing it. They're singing it. And I start, I clap my hand. And they say, why does pastor clapping his hand? Because what happens, I'm not judging them based upon what they're doing. You see, I'm looking at where they are. And if this is where they are, then I'm not going to be a standoffish type individual to say, look, you guys, y'all don't have it. Because there was a time I didn't have it either. And I still don't have it all. So we have to always receive people as to where they are. Even when it comes to, you, we, we make it a hooper in here, you see. And we've had them. We've had them in here. And you know what? Uh, uh, good word. <laughs> good word, too. So I wouldn't say that to down, I'm training you so that you'll be able to see and know the difference. We mentioned fed you with milk, <laughs> but now with solid food. And that's really the attitude, yeah. And uh, <laughs> just one more thing. And well, one thing the Lord did show me is that, like you said, that's good preaching. Um, the Word talks about the foolishness of preaching. Mm -hmm. And people are saved and meet God yeah. all kind of ways. Yeah. So it, it really just opened my mind to there's not just one way or, or just a couple ways yeah. that God can reach people. Yeah, but, but we grow past any performance. And another thing, too, let me put it this way as a disclaimer. There's some people that are, I would say, they're oriented and they're sincere, even when they get to hollering and screaming. I mean, they really are excited. They really are. I mean, they're all over the place. They can't, they, I mean, they're in it. And, and then I'm, I'm in it with them. I said, go for it, bro. But then there are those, you can tell, well, I was demonstrating this, when you stop and say, well, uh, that's a performance. That's a performance. But a person that, 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 that just bring it, and they get all excited and dance, whatever, well, they might have more enthusiasm than I have. And I applaud. I said, Lord, I'm glad that these people have this much in them, and it could be the Holy Ghost that's operating in that kind of environment as well. So, so you have to be very careful when you are discerning the difference between a performance and whether someone is real, but yet they are very enthusiastic. That's the line. That's the line. Yes. I'm going good, man. <laughs> um, well, I, I, have, I have two comments. Uh, one is that I've, I've known you for a long time, Pastor. Yes. And uh, I have to say, the very first time I heard you speak, I was born and, well, came up in a Baptist church. Yes. So the first time I did hear you speak, it was kind of hard. But the thing was, is that you had a message. Yeah. And it was profound. Okay. So, and it's been profound for a long time. Oh, thank you. So it's been beautiful. And I, I, you've, you've definitely... Um, uh, brought me in to a better understanding, a better concept of the gospel, of God, of everything. So I just to ad lib onto that, it's just 
Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Um, about what you were saying today, um, I, 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 love, I love the story of Saul because it, it shows how God can um, use anybody. Right. And it also shows how, um, how he, he definitely brings us to our knees in order to take us to another level. Uh, what I didn't understand today was I, I never grasped the fact that God actually said, or Jesus said, who he was. Yes. Because out of all the times in the Bible, God never says his name. That's right. He never, he never does. But like you said, it was like, it was, it was the, um, it was at that moment when he acknowledged Lord. Right. He acknowledged. Everybody else didn't know. Mm -hmm. They just didn't know. That's right. But once you acknowledge who God is and what he means to you, he will, he will tell you who he is. That's right. And that was, I, that hit me. Praise I, God. I didn't, I've heard the story, <laughs> I've read it, you know, but that, that, that part hit me and that, that, that was beautiful. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay. That's right. He makes himself known to those who desire to know him and will acknowledge him as Lord. Amen. Okay. Nothing else? No more? Amen. Who? Oh, okay. Well, um, I just wanted to go back to what Lisa was saying in terms of the scripture, too, um, about how Paul was delivered, about how Paul was delivered um, from the Gentiles, which he was, but just to make a kind of a point is that um, it took over time because over the first 40 years of the church history, mm -hmm. he went to the Jews first. That's right. And um, because they brought Jesus, so he kind of had a right to know. But, you know, as the scripture says, but if they didn't receive it, then they just shook the dust off of their feet and kind of went on with that. So it, it was kind of over a process of time that that happened. Yes. Yeah. He loved his own. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Amen. 